Tech is a bi-weekly podcast exploring the intersections of technology and ministry. It is part of the podcast network sponsored by Wells, the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod. Our show today is hosted by Martin Spriggs and Sally Draper. Welcome back, everybody, to Wells Tech. This is episode 718, and we're recording on Friday, February 9th. My name is Martin Spriggs, and this is a show about technology and ministry and where those two intersect. Joining me as usual on a beautiful Friday morning, Sally Draper. (laughs) Yeah, I'm out here with this lovely uh, sunset across the Golden Gate Bridge on the West Coast, it seems. Kind of an odd background for me today, but happy to be joining you. I'm really coming to you from North Mankato, not nearly as exciting as my no, background. No appears. big bridges like that in North Mankato. No, just kind Beautiful of small sunsets, bridges. sunsets, though, sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. And we are recording on Friday, which is a little bit different. So we're kind of wrapping up our week with an episode of Wells Tech. Um, this is a neat one, Sally. We had a nice interview we're going to play here in a minute, um, talking about a concept that maybe we've just brushed over a little bit in previous episodes, but I think now we're going to devote uh, some time talking about the use of webinars in ministry. Um, and that's kind of exciting because webinars are very easy to do these days. It wasn't always that way. You had to sign up for sometimes expensive services and not everybody was com- as comfortable joining a webinar as they are these days. So it seems like the time is right. It does indeed. I um, was just kind of marveling at some of my experiences around webinars. I just happened to be part of the LWMS National Communication Committee when COVID-19 hit. Like I had just gotten on the committee and then all mm-hmm. of a sudden they had to <laughs> juggle their convention <laughs> and everything. And, and, Basically, they did convention by doing webinars. They, Mm -hmm. um, you know, had a panel of people speaking or whatever, and um, a whole bunch of people watching. And it's it's a very one way thing. But um, yeah, people learned during the pandemic about what webinars are and and their value and their real time um, interaction and stuff, lots of chats going on and things like mm-hmm. that. So yeah. Mm-hmm. We should probably talk a little bit about the difference between a webinar and let's say like a Zoom call or a Teams call, uh, video conferencing. Uh, many, you know, mostly the same technology, except as you mentioned, it's more of a one way and the way that uh and sometimes more for larger audiences. So it, there's not uh the chaos that might ensue if you had a large number of people you know, on a Zoom call uh, where everybody's speaking over each other and uh, background noises and whatever. Webinar is more of a controlled environment where there is a speaker or set of speakers who have an agenda and have a maybe a series of slides or talking points. And then the communication from the audience is usually through some kind of chat or discussion board or queue that they uh, you know, put a question in. And sometimes there is a moderator 
bringing those questions to the floor for the experts, so to speak, to answer. So that's kind of, uh, I think, the difference between a webinar and uh, just a regular old video conference. And that opens it up to a number of different kinds of topics or use cases probably for them. Um, we're going to be talking with uh, Rachel Holderson in a minute about one use. But uh, Sally, in your mind, what are webinars good for, at least as it relates to ministry? Well, um, I can see it being used for things like Bible studies or mm -hmm. even congregational type meetings where they're trying to to accommodate people that can't be there in person, um, doing it online where it's not just a free for all, like you said, but bringing together a group of people just to kind of share um, a message and have some feedback from them through the chats and questions and things like that. Perhaps training. Um, let's say there's new policies for early childhood or something. It might be mm -hmm. easier to pull together um, the early childhood coordinator might put together a webinar for their district or something that has allows people to come in and watch the training and um, hear the information being shared, maybe by a panel of people or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. Yep. Those are great use cases. I think when you start doing bigger events versus kind of the smaller, more intimate Bible study where there's a Bible class leader and then just basically all the participants is if you're in a larger setting, you have to kind of be thinking about audio and video, lighting, um, capturing the audio maybe from the audience, if there is a both a live audience and a webinar audience. So you kind of have to think about or accommodate how you're getting sound into the to the webinar itself too. So it gets a little bit more complicated, not, not undoable, certainly doable. Uh, the technology is there. It's just a consideration for sure. Just any time when you're wanting to include a, an audience that may not be able to be there in person or doesn't want to be there in person, uh, does expand the communications uh, opportunities. And I think that's always a good thing. Reach more and more people with with these uh, with these tools that we've got. There are a couple of things that I was thinking of that you probably should plan ahead for. Uh, one would be promotion. You have to figure out how to get the word out. And there are different ways to do that. And it's no different than, than any other kind of thing that you want to promote. Except webinars do allow you to take signups. So you kind of know who's going to be there and you can limit uh, or restrict who can uh, attend if you want to do that. So if there is a signup, you advertise it via signup form. And then uh, it comes with at least Zoom and, and Teams do this where there's a reminder that gets sent out. Uh, hey, don't forget tomorrow it's coming up at two o'clock. Um, and then a link that is provided right in that email follow-up communication. And even after the event has occurred, if it's recorded, uh, then that same registrant can be communicated with as a, as a follow-up and then a, maybe a link to uh, the, the event itself, especially if they weren't maybe even able to attend, they could view a recorded version. Mm -hmm. um, good news is webinars and meetings or video conferencing have one thing in common, and that's uh, the equipment that you use. And mm -hmm. pretty much everyone's equipped these days with the kind of things you need. You need a webcam of some sort. Many people have them built into their laptops or their mobile devices even. Um, and then you need 
a microphone. Again, often built in, but you can definitely up the ante for that. And then, you know, expand with the considerations Martin was speaking about earlier that if you needed to mic your audience as well or other participants in the the webinar, but yep. fairly standard equipment required and not a big expense to, to do that part of it. Um, licensing wise, Martin, you're probably more familiar. Does it cost money to do webinars versus a free, say, Zoom account or whatever? I think there are levels. It depends on audience, you know, the number of people in the audience. Um, I'm not sure if there is a Zoom, a free version of Zoom, the webinar. Uh, we have larger audiences sometimes, so I know we pay for a webinar license. So you'd probably want to investigate that based on your, on the size. I think there are some free tools out there too. Uh, so just look around and we can, um, I think we can put together a list that would include some different options too that would uh, afford some free options. And no, normally those are going to be for the smaller audiences, probably under 25, something like that. So um, one last thing, be, maybe before we jump into our interview, which I was really uh, excited or I'm really excited to, to share with you. I think Rachel has some good stuff to say about uh, Wells Women Ministry and their use of webinars is the um, the concept of, supporting materials, the ability to provide content ahead and after a webinar. I think there is a uh, a lot to be said for adding more value uh, to uh, to any kind of meeting with that supporting material. Maybe that's other um, content, whether that's slides ahead of time, or maybe it's different videos that you've done that support it or follow on after it. So I think those are all important to consider what goes around the experience. Uh, maybe it's a survey um, and uh, or, or other supporting material to give a, a fuller experience to it rather than just that one point in time where you're doing it. So lots of things you can throw at it at that point. Okay. Um, so yes, just like you've tipped your hat several times, mm -hmm. exciting interview we had with Rachel Halderson and I probably messed up her name as I was introducing her. So you guys can forgive I me. I think you got it right there. So yeah, point, I, point I had practiced it, said it a million times <laughs> in my head, but you'll see how well I do. Joining us on Wells Tech today is Rachel Halderson, uh, coming from the lovely state of Texas. Welcome, Rachel, and my apologies for butchering your last name because I'm really bad at that. Um, you were close. Awesome. <laughs> You can, you can straighten me out. Uh, Rachel's part of Wells Women's Ministry Group and specifically serves as Congregational Ministries Team Leader. That's quite a mouthful, Rachel. Uh, welcome and tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, um, I'm Rachel Halderson, and I am married to my favorite pastor, uh, Wayne. We live out in East Texas. We've been here for about five and a half years. We have two kids, um, a daughter who's 17 and a son who's 23. Um, and yeah, I have served on women's ministry now for a couple of years in this role. Uh, it's been exciting and challenging and a lot of fun. Awesome. Awesome. Rachel, women's ministry is, in my opinion, one of the great success stories in, in our synod. Um, my daughter goes to the uh, conferences. She was one at L LPS and just comes home raving about uh, the good things that are going on there, the excitement and the buzz. 
tell us a little bit about specifically your work and role in women's ministry and how you kind of got connected with it and uh, tell us a little bit about that backstory. Okay. Um, so Sally Valeski used to be in my position and I've known her for years. And so she was the one that uh, approached me about the possibility of, um, following in her shoes and taking over this role. Um, we like to call ourselves the Congo team for short, uh, which yeah, we think sounds a little bit more fun. <laughs> so, um, our team is all about the relationship and the connection we, um, get to have with people, regular people in the pews. And so as I get to know people or they come to me asking for advice or questions, I can connect them with some of the resources that women's ministry offers and put those two together. Um, or maybe we don't have a resource that people are looking for. And so I can go back to um, the team and say, okay, guys, the resource team. And I can say, this is what people are, you know, this is what I'm hearing. Um, so I kind of bridge that that gap there. Yeah, that's awesome. Today on Wells Tech, we're talking about webinars specifically, which is what kind of brought us to you and the fact that you were a host recently of a webinar for Wells Women's Ministry. So um, is webinars a platform that you guys have been using for a while? And what kind of benefits are you seeing there with doing webinars? So we've done four webinars so far in the last year and a half, and that was out of an effort to make that connection I was talking about. And I strive in in the group to try to find ways to bring women across the synod together. And, and with technology today, I just thought a webinar might be that ticket. Um, I know so many lay women out there in our synod that are um, intelligent and creative and innovative and just excited about what they're doing, whether it's in their life or their church or their community. And I really wanted to give them a platform where they could speak to that and share what they're doing, their experience with whoever wants to listen, uh, regardless of where you live or you know, your background, small church, big church. Um, and we've found, I think, really great success in that, in bringing people together and um, and hopefully igniting a conversation that maybe they wouldn't otherwise have had. That's my prayer anyway. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great uh, story. And maybe tell us a little bit about, if you didn't have this tool of webinars, what would your other options be? Well, what we have been doing and what Sally did for years was um, she would offer um, Tuesdays as an open invitation for people to call her on the phone. Oh, okay. <laughs> and so back in the day, that's what you did. You called her on the phone and which I'm sure I, I benefited from myself. Mm -hmm. uh, it's lovely. Um, but then we were looking to take that into um you know, something else. And so when I came on board, I started using Zoom calls. And so at least I could give people the option of um, booking a time with me on the phone if they still want to do that, or if they want to do a Zoom call. So we call that connection call. And you can still do that with me um, through uh, wells.net slash women. Uh, you can, you can make an appointment called a connection call. 
Awesome. So how is a webinar different than a Zoom call? Some people maybe have not been in webinars. I know COVID has introduced conference calls and Zoom to a lot of us that didn't maybe have it before, but how is how is webinars the next step? Well, okay, so you can watch without people seeing you. I think when you're okay. on a call, see, you see us all. Um, mm -hmm. But on a webinar, you only see the people that you want to be seen. We call them panelists. And so you have the host that runs kind of the behind the scenes, you know, stuff that, that can manipulate all that. But then you have the um, panelists that you can see their screen, you can hear them. And then those that are watching are silently watching. And so you can have that chat function open, which, which we do. Um, we try to keep the, we have the Q and A open where they can specifically post their questions. And so it streams line, it streamlines it so that it's not quite so crazy with all these participants or people speaking, <laughs> um, you know, it's a more of a controlled environment where you're really focusing on what the, the panelists um, are saying. Okay. So on the technical and logistical side, it sounds like a lot goes into this. Do you have to have a college degree in Zoom to, to host one of these meetings or how does that work? So um, I have I have people. <laughs> Excellent answer. Because <laughs> that is not my forte. Um, anyway, yeah. So I work a lot with Sarah Praber at Senate office. In our she, communications area, huh? Yes. She's my right-hand gal and I'll tell her my vision or what features I want available or whatever it is. And she makes it happen. Um, she is always there silently um, behind the scenes during the webinar too. I will send her a list of resources that we'll be referring to during the webinar. And so as that comes up in conversation, she'll type that into the chat. She's ready to go. Um, and then meanwhile, because I can't keep an eye on the chat and the Q&A while I'm having a conversation, um, I have a team member that is doing that for me. So she's keeping an eye on the chat. She's also keeping an eye on the Q&A so that when there's maybe a lull in the conversation or I see that there's a lot of questions in the Q&A, I can go to her and she'll prioritize what we need to get to. Um, so yeah, it's invaluable, the, the awesome. help that we get. Awesome. <laughs> so is the whole so to speak, playbook open to you? Are there topics that you know, are all topics kind of fair game in a webinar? Are there some things that play better in a webinar setting? Uh, how do you decide what to do, what to talk about? That's, yeah, that's a good question. Um, so I'll have my team brainstorm ideas. Look, if we're interested in discussing something or finding out more, chances are other people are too. Right. So between the team putting together their interests and then the exec team of women's ministry putting together um, their ideas and we try to make things cohesive. So if if we're going to be covering a certain topic um, or theme at an upcoming conference or there's a theme running through the newsletter or, uh, you know, we, we try to keep it cohesive. So there's that. Um, but we also are connected to the leadership at the Senate. And so um, we're regularly in communication with them. What what is leadership in the Senate hearing um, that they from from regular people, you know, that they want to hear or issues that they're having or whatever the case may be. Um, and finally, it's just the open doors God gives. 
um, I really lean heavily on him that, um, you know, to, I allow his word to guide, um, to guide me and the open doors that he sends and conversations with people or um, possible panelists or whatever. So it all in the four that we've had so far, and we're working on a fifth, um, it all has just by the grace of God come together. That's awesome. I'll just say a quick shout out to the fact that you had such a diverse panel in this last webinar that I attended. That's really cool to see women from all over the Synod when many times women are just familiar with their little congregation or maybe their LWMS circuit or whatever it is. But to to hear firsthand from people all over the Synod was a really cool experience. I thought that was really well done. Um, so what kind of response are you getting? Are people attending? Are they following up with you? Interactions, things like that. Well, Sarah would have all the stats and I should have maybe gotten that from her beforehand, <laughs> but um, she all, but anyway, um, it seems to be going really well that every time we offer one, more people are there alive. And so this last one, it was consistently around 220, 225, which is pretty amazing to wow. hold. Um, to hold that number for over an hour. I did go over an hour. <laughs> um, and um, and then there's also, it's always posted um, later after the fact, usually the next day. And so there are people watching after the fact. So we want to make these webinars also as resources so that you can revisit it if you have watched it or if you haven't watched it Um you know, you still can at your convenience. Um, we had a lot of watch parties this time. And so, um, you know, so there were different groups around the Synod that, you know, were watching together, which I love because then we were really encouraging, okay, you're watching it. You're watching someone else have this conversation. Now jump to it, apply it to your church, to your situation, to your culture, to your community and keep it going. Um, and so, yeah, it, that's really exciting. Really, uh, the, only the Lord knows really what, you know, will come of it. And I'm okay with that. <laughs> that's great. So you mentioned more webinars in the future. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what's on the horizon just for women's ministry in general? Uh, absolutely. So for the webinar, I'm currently working on um, a mental health themed webinar. And this one will be a little bit different because I'm not searching for panelists like I usually do, which is actually the hardest part about um, the webinar is finding panelists. And thank you for mentioning how diverse they were because I try my best to do that. And I only know so many people in my pool. <laughs> and so, um, so yeah, I, I, I enjoy trying to find that, that variety, but this will be um, two counselors from um, Christian uh, family Sir Christian family, right. solutions. family solutions. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. And we will be just talking about mental health. We're putting that together right now. It'll be in May for mental health awareness month. Um, so that, yeah, that'll be coming up in the beginning of May. And I'm excited about that. Cause I think, um, I mean, I have a lot, again, I have a lot of questions. I'm sure other people have questions too. And so we'll just be exploring that more. And then, um, and then, of course, it is our conference year. And so this summer at the end of July, we'll be having another conference. And um, this will be in P Pewaukee at the Ingleside Hotel. So it's going to be a different venue than what we've had before, because quite frankly, we've outgrown the campuses that we have previously been um, been hosted at. So I'm excited. I really do think this will be the best one yet. Uh, we'll be studying acts and all the workshops and speakers will be speaking to that. And um, yeah, look, really looking forward to that one. 
And that's end of July, I think, right? Yes. Awesome. Yeah. That's neat. Very good. Look forward to hear all the positive feedback from that too. Mm -hmm. Rachel, thanks so much for taking some time with us and for the work that you do. That that's that's an exciting area of ministry to me, and I'm I'm glad that uh, there are people like you and then the team that you work with. Uh, you know, using technology to advance that message, and uh, that's uh, neat for sharing it too. I, I hope that this is a an encouragement to others to to use the technology and uh, be as excited as you guys are about uh, about your ministry. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Our thanks to Rachel. Um, both exciting things going on in Wells Women's Ministry. That is, uh, and I said it in the in the discussion, I think a, a true Wells success story. They're doing great things. And uh, it's awesome that she was able to to take some time to to share their use of webinars, which seems to be going super well. Yeah, definitely a neat topic. But, you know, for me, Martin, after we had that discussion with Rachel, I just really reflected on the fact of God's people being part of the body. You know, mm -hmm. here's just a volunteer down in Texas, and she's doing these amazing things and coordinating these amazing things. The webinar itself, hopefully you'll have a chance to tune in. Um, can You can watch the recording of the one that they did most recently. Um, had people on it from Canada to, I want to say, uh, Minneapolis, they had someone else, I think from Texas, there were people from all over yeah. and coordinated that effort. And it just is a really neat thing to see God's um, people at work in that way. Yeah. And there's no reason you couldn't have an international audience pretty easily other sure. than, you know, time zone differences you'd have to account for, but uh, that, that's yeah. kind of neat. So international you mentioned, panelists. yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. You mentioned the uh, webinar series, uh, that'll be our ministry resource today, right? Yeah, great, great lead in. And um, I was excited because um, they've done such a good job with the webinar. I, I, I sat in on the one that was most recent. Uh, I'm going to do a quick screen share. We'll see how easy that is. Um, but they have, I think they have maybe four or five that they've done most um, recently. And um, this one reviewing reviving relationships through biblical hospitality that's the one that they did um, in january and you'll see a full description of that as well as i think they have the panelists listed um, i'm going to come back to Lori ryan in a few minutes but um, you can see then at the bottom of the page that they have four webinars total that are archived where you can go and watch about advent by candlelight or prayer change um, next generation, biblical hospitality, all kinds of great topics um, that that they're covering in Wells Min Women's Ministry, and they're they're really timeless. The things that they're sharing um, can definitely apply to today um, for sure. Check it out. Excellent, excellent. Again, thanks, Rachel, for your time with us. Mm -hmm. All right, Sally, let's move on to our picks of the week. And who do I have to thank but Rachel and Lori, who I mentioned was one of the panelists um, on the um, webinar that I watched, because as soon as they were done presenting, actually maybe while they were presenting, I had the book, <laughs> uh, The Two-Hour Cocktail Party, in my Amazon cart, and I got it within a couple of days. Isn't that fun how the camera really messes with that? There it is, uh, Two-Hour Cocktail like Party. It's a book by Nick Gray, available on Amazon. Um, and, 
you might think right away that title might be a little off-putting to you. Who knows if you want to have a cocktail party or not, but um, it's really not meant to describe the types of drinks you serve at your party or anything like that. It's more meant to be a, a description of a type of party that's relatively short and kind of a mixer of interesting people getting to know each other. And um, what the book, what Nick Gray does for you is he lays out a real systematic way um, to have a very successful party. And he's um, had the book out for a year or so, and he has people posting their um, party pictures and things like that. So it's definitely gotten success. He has a, um, a website called um, how to host a party party.pro where he gets into a lot of it. He has a lot of um, blog posts and things about hosting parties. Um, a lot of YouTube videos. He has a YouTube channel. He's um, really great at that. So why, um, does Wells Technology care if you're hosting cocktail parties or not? <laughs> Great question. And that's what I got from the Wells Women's Ministry Sem um, webinar. One of the people in the webinar, Lori, and I forget her last name. I want to get it right. Um, Lori Ryan, who's in the Minneapolis area, I want to say, New Hope, Minnesota. Um, she talked about getting having kind of a background where she and her husband, their entire married lives, have enjoyed hosting parties and getting together interesting people and having fun events. Um, and they came across this book and they decided to try this specifically within their church. So the people they were inviting to the party were members of theirs. Perhaps um, they served together on the church council or something to that effect. And they took Nick's, you know, pattern of establishing a party. It basically provides some mixers and allows people to kind of get to know each other in a more structured way. Um, they took that and had amazing success with it. They were really pleased with it. And they've had several of them. Other people have hosted them and they've realized that it's a really great way to engage people in your community who aren't necessarily part of your church community. So a mixture of church members and non-church members at a party like this begins to um, seed those so um, seed, seed, sow those seeds sow the of seed, friendship. Yes. That's it. Sow the seeds of friendship evangelism where you're, you're making connections. Uh, the subtitle of the book is how to build big relationships with small gatherings. And that's really what they've seen kind of come out of this is some really great relationships. Um, I will have a link in the show notes to uh, the book and the blog post and things like that. But I just want to, you know, kind of challenge you. I'm looking forward to hosting my first two-hour cocktail party um, in the near future. And perhaps it's a it's something worth trying to um, just open your home and get to know a few new people or get to know them better, perhaps. Um, have you read, have you did. completed the book? Have you read the book? I haven't completed it, although it's not a heavy read. We've actually had mm -hmm. some sickness in my family, so I haven't made it all the way through yet. But my goal is to have a party before the end of February, maybe even a, a leap year party. So we'll see. Oh, you can pick yeah. whatever theme you want, yeah. you know, and just get together some people and have a lot of fun. Probably some application there for those congregations who do small group ministry. Uh, I think yeah. every one of those could be kind of classified as a little party. So that's neat. Right. And he gives you, you know, mixer type mm -hmm. questions and things like that. The classic one that he uses 
um, as an example for the first question that you do with the group is what did you have for breakfast or what's your favorite breakfast or something mm-hmm. to that effect. And that kind of opens up the can of all kinds of options and you, you go from there. People get interested. They get to talking. So nice. that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're good. Uh, my pick of the week is actually a, um, I'm holding it up here for those of you looking on screen. It's from a company called Smartish. Uh, they make kind of cables and cable organizers. And this is what they call a magic cord or magnetic cord organizer. So those of you listening at home, basically it looks like a little pin cushion. It's a magnet uh, with a rubber uh, base covered with fabric. And what it's used for is, you know, when you've got those cords snaking up through the back, you know, the, the back of your desk or whatever, that you're plugging into your USB devices, your speaker, your, your, your computer, whatever. Uh, and then when you unplug them, they're always kind of falling back or they're always in disarray and you're, you're having to wrap them around different things. You tape them on there or whatever. What this allows you to do is you just set it on your desk and the, um, the metal end of the, whatever cable you're trying to wrangle just kind of hooks on or attaches magnetically to this uh to the smartish device, this cord organizer. So it'll fit probably three of them. This is a smaller one, um, but it's a strong enough magic, mag, uh, magnet. And depending on what the end of your cable is made of, if uh, it's if it's metal, uh, it'll stick right on here. They also make little uh, little cord wraps that have a magnet in them. So you can kind of wrap them around the end of the cable as well so that they'll sit on here as well. So you, gone are the days where your cables are, are are falling back behind the desk. You've got to get into the desk and snake them back up. Uh, could you just uh, wrap them right on here? It's great for like laptop power cords or USB cables because uh, you're taking your laptop with you, you're unplugging it. And where does the cord go? That's, that's attached to the, the power brick, you know, behind your desk, no longer behind the desk. It just kind of snaps uh, magnetically to this little cable organizer. And then when you come back to your desk, you just pull it off of here, plug it in and, and you're good to go. Kind of stylish. They make these in different colors as well. Um, so this one happens to be a gray one, but I think they have black and you know there are other colors that would match your decor. So those of you that are, are really frustrated with losing your cables behind your desk, this is a good solution. So it's a company called Smartish. That's pretty sweet. Fine, Martin. And they have pink and teal. So Oh yeah. Yep, yeah. Yep, yep. Got got it covered there. Another product oh. they make, this is kind of a bonus pick. Um they make a a, a cable, a braided cable in different lengths with different ends on them. So if you're tired of having every cable known to man because you've got different connectors, you know, micro USB, you've got a lightning connector uh, or a USB-C, uh, they make them with this little attachment so that you can kind of plug in the uh, with one cable yet the, the kind of end that you need to make things work for you. So they make these kind of things too. And I think in kind of matching cable colors. So good company. Huh. It, it's interesting because we always share links, obviously on the show notes. And so we build those links in a OneNote. And when I open this up, one thing that really struck me, and I, 
this is very off topic, but it actually went to the website for Smartish, which, you know, these days, so often I just go to Amazon. I never see like real mm. company websites or order directly from a company, but it's kind of a good reminder that oftentimes they might even have better pricing or whatever. They better should, selection. should definitely yeah. kind of go to the source and, mm -hmm. and look for things. Yep. So. Yep. In fact, I think I did. I don't know that these are available on Amazon. Maybe they are, okay. but uh, maybe not all of the the selection that you've got elsewhere. So Interesting. that's my pick. All right. All right, Sally, community news and feedback. Well, um, today I wanted to mention a couple of things that are hap that have been discussed over on the Wells Intersections page. That's a, a group page on Facebook that's moderated by Pastor retired Pastor Jim Aderman, and he's always finding interesting articles and things to share there. Um, the first one that I wanted to talk about was something he shared. Boy, this is this is so fun to coordinate. You can see how uncoordinated I am. I'm sharing my screen right now. Um, was something about online discipleship courses. So he found an um, online discipleship re resource called Practicing the Way. And it's a really um, nice format. That's the best I can say about it. It's just got a lot of... Um, a lot of thought behind the interface and the things that you do. Um, Visually it, appealing for sure. Yeah. That's the word I'm looking for. Excellent. Um, it has a course with it. It has practice things that you can do for nine course spiritual disciples. Um, just different things that you would be interested in studying deeper and practicing um, around things like prayer and generosity and service um, just laid out, very appealing. Um, and, you know, the discussion was pretty favorable. There were a couple of pastors that chimed in that they had looked at it and it was very, um, very much better than just watch a 45 minute video and see if you can find the handout to print beforehand and things like that. Um, and Pastor Peter Hagen actually contributed that, you know, if people are doing things at this level, we certainly can get the same kind of training and build similar things. Is that important? Are we neglecting um, spiritual growth and instruction capabilities because we aren't doing it um, with the tools that are available to us and, and, you know, producing things that are more well thought out than just um, hacking together a video or whatever. So uh, I thought it was an interesting discussion and definitely um, interesting. The, the group behind it is called The Circle, which, Martin, that kind of rang a bell with me. We've talked about The Circle, circle for many group, years. Uh, yeah. uh, uh -huh. So that's who's kind of behind that. And, um, yeah, interesting stuff. The, the other thing from Wells Intersections that really caught my mind, uh, my eye, was something about AI um, tool usage. Um, Pastor Aderman I think the article is right here where he says, um, if you don't have an AI tool use policy, perhaps it's time to consider one for your organization. And this is actually a template that's available out there that you can, you know, kind of plug and play into their AI policy template. Um, Pastor Aderman also said, maybe you just want to um, ask a, a chat GPT AI generating type device to give you a policy based mm -hmm. on your organization needs or whatever. But um, Martin, I don't know if you have thoughts or ideas around 
organizations, our churches and schools needing AI policies? Anything? I would think like definitely that? in the school settings, because that seems to be, as we've been talking about in our series on AI in the classroom, uh, that is definitely something that needs to be addressed. But yeah, tool usage from student perspective, uh, uh, teacher or faculty perspective, for sure. And then I know in Wells Intersections, they've talked about uh, AI usage in ministry for sermon uh, prep or uh, augmentation or whatever. So I think it's not a bad thing to think through um, and make sure that uh, you're you're treating it, you know, as, as you should. So good. I think okay. that's a good reminder. Yeah, I thought so too. So policies are just, just such a, a pain to write. Nobody <laughs> likes writing policies. Um, and AI seems like a, a friend. <laughs> they may be a worthy friend in that endeavor to write the policies you know you need to write because it's got access to, to, to many policies worldwide in different contexts. And um, AI seems to be a, maybe a tool that could help us do something that we really don't like to do. Mm-hmm. So good thinking. Um, Sally, tell the people, the good people, how they can uh, join our conversation if they want to give us some community news or feedback. Well, it all centers around the website, wellstech.wells.net. That's where you're going to find all our shows posted all the way back to what, 2008, Martin? 2007, that, I think. Yeah, I um, And yeah, you can find all the different show notes around those. So if you're looking for particular links or things that we discuss in the show, that's going to all be there on the website. Mm -hmm. Also, along the top right of the website, there are links to our presence on Facebook, Twitter, um, Pinterest, Instagram. You can leave us messages and uh, comment on our shows and other things there. Uh, we would absolutely love to hear from you in a voicemail as well. And we make that easy on the uh, right side of the website, you can click on send a voicemail and use your computer to actually record a message to us if you're so inclined. We would love to hear from you, uh, incorporate your ideas and your experiences into Wells Tech. Yeah, one thing, uh, we had such a great interview today. Um, if you've got people that uh, you think we would enjoy talking to or you'd like to hear us talk to or that other people would benefit from from hearing from, let us know those too. Those ideas are, are super helpful. Um, the uh, the hive mind that is Wells Tech would, uh, I think, benefit all of us if we are able to, to explore new areas and new expertise. That's always something we're looking for. So, mm -hmm. Sally, what are we going to talk about the next time we gather together? Well, that's a great question. If you have any ideas for that, you can let me know. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. The next time we gather is going to be on Thursday, February 29th. That's a little bit of a stretch for us, but we thought it was worth it since this is a leap year. And goodness gracious, we're going to dig up something we haven't talked about in four years, and we're going to talk about it on leap day. And it's going to be great. I'm really looking forward to uh, celebrating leap year with you, Martin. We should probably go back in time and look at what we were talking about four years ago and maybe four years before that and four yeah. years. Oh, we can't go that far back. Oh, I guess we could. Yeah, we can. Yeah, we can. We can <laughs> <Yeah>. go back. <laughs> like we can 16. go back four leap years. So Yes. 
crazy, isn't it? That'll be fun. See what uh, see what that come that that uh, brings to us. So good. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. Thanks everybody for joining us. We're so happy that you decided to to spend a little time with us. Invite your friends, um, family, whomever. Uh, and uh, contribute to the conversation. We love having you guys around. So thanks, everybody. Uh, blessings on your Lent. Uh, uh, Ash Wednesday's coming just around the corner here. So uh, your, your walk to the cross. Blessings on that. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye.